Baptist Church, Charlotte. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. All right, God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Why do we have church in this specific style that we have church in? Now, one of the things I try to do in the very first lesson, the first steps, which has already been mentioned today is our connection party, which happens at the end of a, a month of uh, first steps classes, um, is uh, explain why we do what we do uh, in case you grew up in a different Christian tradition. Uh, there are certain traditions who um, they, they do reverence as worship. And they absolutely mean well. They come from a good heart. Uh, they're not trying to do anything wrong. They are seeing and pursuing uh, reverence as worship. Now, if you come to a church of our type and our style, you will notice, if you come more than a handful of times, we do reverence as part of our worship, uh, but that certainly certainly not the whole of our worship. Other uh, Christian traditions, they, they don't do music. Um, they are good hearts. They mean well, but they, in their formative histories, they felt that music, and there's various groups that do this, they felt like music was a thing of the world, and so they don't do any music in their churches. Um, that's fine for them. Uh, that's not the kind of church we are. We are a church where we sing, uh, we sing loudly, <laughs> uh, we sing often, um, we sing all the time, uh, we sing when we're together, we sing when we're apart, um, we sing in the shower, and it's not even an ungodly music, uh, it only sounds ungodly if you're like me and not a very good singer, uh, but we believe in singing unto the Lord a new song. Um, so I always explain, whatever your background, um, you, uh, I want people to be comfortable in our church. It uh, doesn't matter so much uh, where the church is when you come to it. What matters is where you are. Um, and you have to be a play, at a place where you have a, a clear next step for you to take. There's, there's a clear next step. Uh, it's usually unhelpful for us to try to come to church and identify some place of spiritual growth, insight, maturity that we wish we were in, and then to somehow believe that we can levitate from where we are to where we wish we were. Uh, that's not how growth happens. I want to remind all of you that's not how growth happens. Um, what you have is a next step. Remember the image of Jacob's ladder, and here Jacob is uh, fleeing from his brother's wrath, and the Lord gives him a vision of a ladder that connects heaven and earth. And that that literally becomes a type of a metaphor, that, that image of how heaven is connected to earth. And when we come together, we want our praise, our worship, our hearts of spiritual exaltation to be that type of ladder that invites the presence of God to come into this house. Do you see? The Bible teaches us what? That he inhabits the praises. Somebody say praises. He inhabits the praises of his people. So uh, if you want to fulfill uh, the New Testament uh, temple plan, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are, somebody say, I am. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. God never intended for the perfect work to be one of separation or isolation. But the perfect work done through Jesus Christ is the unification of the Spirit of God with the people of God. So on that day of the cross, what happens to the veil of separation? You 
know, uh, the veil of separation in the Holy of Holies is rent top to bottom, symbolizing the fact that God has a solution to that which has kept us apart, which is what? Sin. Sin separates us from God. There was not a right covering, a proper sacrifice, a lamb of God uh, for sinners slain until Christ, the perfect lamb of God, lived a perfect life that uh, was a satisfaction of justice. The debt had been paid. Now, imperfect people, flawed people, broken people, we can actually come into the presence of the Lord and we do not carry our worthiness because we don't have any. That was the problem. That's why the Holy of Holies was separated because we didn't have a worthiness to bring into the house. But through Jesus Christ, somebody say, through Jesus Christ. That's your testimony. You need to live that every day. Through Jesus Christ, I am given audience with God because I come into his presence and when justice looks at me, justice does not see me. Justice sees the Lamb of God for sinners slain and justice says that's enough. That's enough. Justice says that's enough. That's enough. Don't let the devil tell you there isn't a covering for your sin when justice looks at Calvary and says that's enough. That's enough. You're forgiven. You can go free. There is hope. You are new in G. I've come to preach to somebody here today. You need to rebuke the voice of the accuser in your life because Calvary is enough. I'm not enough. The preacher's not enough. The church is not enough. But Jesus Christ on Calvary's hill of sorrow became the perfect covering of hope and grace in our lives. And I, 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 have, I have preached from this idea of re-explaining, uh, uh, explaining again uh, the role of that most common experience of church life, which is simply to say, amen. Uh, if you hear me preach, you'll often hear me pause and ask the church for an amen. Usually that's because I'm trying to wake somebody up, normally who sits over on this side of the church, and uh, I ask for an amen so I can wake up. Now, go ahead and smile at your neighbor and say, that part was for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was talking to Pastor Ed in the foyer earlier. He married his son yesterday, and uh, he was out there, and he, he was, the you know, worked for hours out here, and then he drank all that sparkling wine, which gives you a terrible hangover. You know how that is, that sparkling wine. And uh, and he told me, he was out front, he said, Ma, I, I, I apologize, I could hardly stay awake while you preach. See, he has a good excuse. The rest of y'all suckers, y'all need Jesus. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Just having fun here today. Um, what is it about a man that causes churches for hundreds of generations and thousands of years to listen to the word of God and not simply hear it, but to speak a response to it? it and say together, amen. Let me uh, give you some scriptures here today. Um, this is Nehemiah chapter number eight, and we'll read it verse number six. Uh, the prophet Ezra blessed the Lord in verse number six, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen, with lifting up their hands. Then they bowed their heads, and what do they do? They worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. You see both postures in their heart and in their life after they have received the word of the Lord. On one hand, they worship. On another hand, they surrender. Do you see? They submit. On the other hand, they worship. Uh, both of these postures are teaching illustrations to anyone who would like to learn. But notice what they say after they are given the, 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 the law. This is what Ezra's been doing. After Ezra blesses the Lord, what are is their response. They say together, amen, amen. Now, most of us 
use that uh, word with this definition. We say a man means so be it. And the correct answer to that is yes. A man does mean so be it. So when I uh, say something in your life like God is going to be uh, a great strength to you, you uh, say in acknowledgement, amen. When I say to you, God is going to bring you through the struggle you're living in right now, what do you say? I can, I was hoping we could do better than that. When I say God's going to heal your body, you say, this is a, a right and an appropriate response for us to speak to heaven and speak to earth, speak to the believer and to the unbeliever and say, I receive the word of the Lord. And so we uh, say amen. And uh, in the Old Testament Psalms, you find the structure of worship going in the similar way. Psalms 41, verse number 13. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. And after the leader of praise or worship has said that, blessed be the Lord from everlasting to everlasting, all of the host of Israel would respond and speak their agreement to what had been spoken and they would say, say it with me, amen and amen. Psalm 72, 19. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Somebody help me. Amen and amen. Psalms 89, 52. Blessed be the Lord forevermore. And the whole house says... And if you continue looking in the Psalms, you'll find another similar response to whenever the leader, the praise worship director, uh, the choir director, the poet, the uh, one who is gathering the attention of the people, they say in a similar manner, amen. Praise ye the Lord. And so I'll read Psalms 106, verse number 48. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, help me out, amen. Praise ye the Lord. I am receiving uh, the word of God in my life. Now, if you look in the Hebrew Bible, you will find even back at the giving of the law, the reading of the law, for example, after Joshua leads the house of Israel into the promised land and the people receive that which is the law of God given to them, you will find that their response to the receiving of the law of God, even in the Old Testament, even before the praise and worship services of Psalms, what we refer to as the tabernacle of David, even before they receive the law of God by saying publicly, amen. Uh, it is as though they receive the word of God. It is as though they accept the word of God. But there is something here that I think is helpful for all of us to remind ourselves of, and that is this. Um, we can accept a lot of things we're not excited about it. Can I have any agreement in the house? that You can accept. Uh, I don't know if you ever had to do chores when you were little. You probably weren't raised by abusive parents like me. Um, but I, I had to do lots and lots of chores. And I, um, I, I'll never forget one day I tried to get out of chores because I wanted to go to my friend's house and play uh, or play or watch his TV. We didn't have a TV, but he had a TV. So I wanted to go over there and watch TV or something like that. Who knows? And um, I was a righteous young man, very, very righteous young man. And um, uh, I came home from school. My mom wasn't there. And I thought to myself, what chores can I do so when she gets home, I can just go play? And so I decided I'd go ahead and vacuum. I know she liked me to vacuum. I picked up my room. I checked various 
just things like that, just the ordinary things that she would have me to do. And I heard her car in the driveway and she pulled in the, she came in the house and I said, mom, this is what I already done. I've already vacuumed the house. I've already straightened up my room. I already did what's so and the others, uh, various chores that were regulars for me. Can I go to my friend's house and play? And my mother said to me, she said, well, those were not the chores I had planned for you to do today. And I said, but mom, and she said, no, you have to do the chores that are a part of the plan. She gave me another set of, so y'all pray for her that she can make heaven her home and her family be saved. I know it's gonna be hard with a heart like that, but you know what I'm saying. And so, if you've ever made your children or teenagers, sometimes younger children can be excited. They're excited because they get to pretend to do work. They're useless. They don't, can't do any good work. But they're excited because they get to pretend to be in charge. That's the only reason why they're excited about it. Once the work gets real, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> can I get a witness? When they're little, they can pretend, oh, mom, I can wash the dishes. I love washing the dishes. Yeah, that's because you can't do it, and I'm letting you pretend and doing it all behind you like the Lord in your life. Let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> but then once kids get actually useful, they can do things, and you tell them to do it. You get this body language. Son, I need you to take the trash out. <laughs> okay. I need you to vacuum the house. Okay. Sometimes you get... Project blank face. I don't know if you have teenagers, but I, there's a project blank face is a problem. Well, you, they give you no reaction, but you know they ain't happy about nothing. <laughs> My job was eating the food, not doing the dishes. Yeah, mine too. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, you can receive without being very happy about it. So here's the thing. And I want you all to hear this. Uh, believers can do the right things but have no testimony because we do right things with the wrong spirit. Um, honestly, you can live a life that's disciplined, a life that is organized. You cannot live crazy. You can make good decisions. But if you do it with the spirit of a duty, don't be surprised if nobody's attracted by it or changed by the testimony of it. Because it's not enough to do it, to surrender yourself. You need to do it for the right reason if it's going to be infectious. Yes, that's right. You all know what I mean by infectious. If you're going to have a testimony, you need to let the duty of your religion turn into the joy of your salvation. I'm going to say it to this side of the church because they need it more than y'all do. You need to get the duty of your religion and you need to let it be transformed into the joy of your salvation because the real life is one that is overflowing in the presence of God. The real blessing is one where you walk with him and you talk with him and he tells you and you tell him that we belong together. I don't, ha I, I don't have to be here. I choose to be here. I don't have to clap my hands in praise to God. I choose to clap my hands. I don't have to lift my hands and say, great is my salvation, the king of my salvation. I choose to be a believer. I choose to sing along. I choose to show up in the rain. Churches of duty have a serious problem even keeping their own kids uh, because nobody's excited about duty. The best we can do is show the generation to come that God's been so good to us. What we do in response is more opportunity than duty. Because God, can I get a better witness than that? Because God's done so much for me. It's not enough to do right things if you have a wrong spirit. It'll never influence anybody. It'll never live as testimony. God has a plan for every one of our lives. I, I want to say this. God's promise is for you. God's protection is for you. Heaven has looked at you and said, I'm going to make a way for that person. Heaven knew you your error. God knew your sin, but God looked at you and said, I'm choosing them. I am engrafting them. I am adopting them. Heaven looked at you and said, yes. And so we come into the house of the Lord and we uh, do more than duty. 
duty is as though you receive the reading of the law, and some of that law was pretty harsh. Some of that law was pretty heavy. And the people, even when they read the heavy parts of the law, even when they talked about stoning and cursing and kicked out of this and rejected from that, and you're the devil and you're the devil and get you seven generations of devils, the people receive it and they say, amen. But when you get to the Psalms, King David begins to change what it means to be the people of God. He transforms the heart of the people toward God. This is one of the most important gifts of King David to all the people of God, all the people of covenant. He changed the heart of duty, the heart of obligation uh, into one of overflowing thanksgiving, uh, overflowing worship. And while everyone else is talking about have to do, uh, have to do, uh, David is saying, uh, there's none like the Lord. He is glorious. He is beautiful. It so impacts the heart of God that God says, that's what I'm talking about. I am going to build you a house, David. You want to build me a house? I'm going to build you a house. And you know how we're going to do things in your house? We're going to do them just like that. In fact, I am going to come as your son to this world. And you know what it's going to sound like, David? It's going to sound like your house, David. It's not going to be the tone of submission. It's going to be the tone of worship and exaltation. And so David changes the feel of a man from one of, I accept the law of the Lord, to one of, I want to get in on this praise and worship experience. That's part of the gift of David to uh, the people of covenant. David changes the amen from I accept the law of the Lord uh, to uh, have you considered how good God has been to us? Do you feel the difference in that? It's not just okay, I accept it. It's something else. It's more like, wow, I want to be a part of that. When you get in the New Testament, you hear amen, not of the tone of law, not of the tone of I accept, but now you hear amen as the tone of someone who wants to join in. Watch this. I'm reading um, Matthew chapter number six, uh, verse number 13. Jesus is teaching us to pray, and he says this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you know it, say it with me. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I'm not talking now. I'm not talking about things I've got to do. Let me tell you what I'm talking about now. I'm talking about the glory of what God is doing. This is not me accepting God's law. This is me joining God's kingdom. Hear me. There has to be a transformation in all of our lives from a religion of I have to, I have to, I accept the law, I submit to the rules. There has to be a transformation from receiving law and saying so be it to a statement of intent. God is building a kingdom. God is doing great things in the earth. I want to be a part of that. The tone of King David is what you find in the New Testament. Not the tone of acceptance, but the tone of I want to be a part. Somebody say that with me. I want to be a part. That is what's going to happen in our life. Now watch this. Luke, the apostle, writing in chapter number 24, verse number 53, telling the story of other people telling the story of other people, telling the story of church people. He says they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. And what does the scripture say? Amen. Amen. I want two different types of amen here. One, I accept, I receive, I obey. And another one, I want to be a part. That's how I want to live. That's what I want to be a part of. Which one is Luke talking about here? 
He is not giving you a word of the Lord. God says you're going to make it. And then he says, amen, as accepting. He's not saying God's going to protect you and then saying, amen, as agreeing. He's saying these people were having church all the time. And he says, amen, as if to say, that's how I want to live right there. Do you see what just happened there? It's subtle. It's subtle. But the great truths of the scripture are often that way. It went from, okay, if the Lord said it, I guess I'll accept it. It went to, how do I be a part? How am I a part of that? Where do I sign up? And can someone tell me where the line starts? Let me tell you something right now. I didn't just come to church so I can be reassured in my salvation here today. I didn't come to church just so I could accept the word of the Lord. God is doing something in the earth and I want to be a part of it. I want to say it again. God is doing something in the city and I want to be a part of it. I'm not just accepting that he's God. I'm saying, God, include me in the great work that you are doing. So you can receive the word. You can say amen of receiving God's word, but you can also say, I want to be a part. This isn't the duty of accepting law. This is the opportunity of joining intention, spiritual purpose. Now, uh, let me show you some more New Testament passages. Romans chapter number 11, verse number 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. I'm saying something about God. I'm saying something about who he is and what he has done. And I'm saying, I want to be a part of that. I agree with that. This is more than me accepting. Uh, This is me intentionally including myself. Ephesians 3, verse number 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Say it with me. Amen. First Timothy 6, 16. Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. And someone say it with me. Amen. All right. Now that I have shown you two distinctions of amen, one is I accept what God is going to do, and two is how do I become a part of what God is going to do? I want to show you another distinction uh, that is really best, best understood by someone who speaks um, the Hebrew language and understands amen, not as a church word, but as a Hebrew word. Stay with me. I'm not going to preach much longer. Not just a church word, but a Hebrew word. You know how words have layers to them? Let me, let me give you an example. I, uh, I told the 9 a.m. service. I don't think I told you guys, although sometimes I get the services confused. Um, uh, the uniqueness of the Hebrew word shalom, uh, which uh, we just translated as peace. But to a Hebrew speaker, uh, it's so much more than that. What it is is a, a, a whole flourishing. We think peace, so I'm not fighting with anybody. That's a good thing, right? But when they say shalom, what they are saying is I want every venue of your life to flourish. I don't want you just to be a good father but have a bad career. I don't want you just to have a good career and be a bad father. I don't want you just, you understand what I'm saying? I want every venue of your life to flourish. And so when I say to you, shalom, what I am saying is God is going to prosper. Somebody say prosper. Every venue of your life and every role of your life. That is the depth of the word shalom, do you see? But when we say it, we just say peace. Now, let me show you this word, amen. Uh, I'm going to uh, explain the root of the word in Hebrew is A-M-A-N, not A-M-E-N. That's the church word. We get the church word A-M-E-N from the Hebrew word A-M-E-N. 
A-N, and that word can translate in various ways. Now, uh, Genesis chapter number 15, I'm going to read the passage, and then I'm going to ask you to guess which one of the words was amen in the Hebrew. Are you ready? Genesis 15, verse number 6, and he believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. Which one of those words in the Hebrew is amen? Are you ready? It's the third word. And he amanned the Lord, and the Lord counted it him to righteous as righteousness. Why? Because in the usage of the Hebrew root, the root word, you could rightly say uh, believed and amen. It would be translated correctly as both. And so you could say uh, he Amen, the Lord. Let me let me just take a break here and say, God has promised you his protection. He has promised you his presence. You need to lift your heart heavenward and say amen. I amen the Lord, and the Lord counts it as righteousness. God is going to take you somewhere. He has not just brought you to this moment, and he's done with you. God is just getting started with you. He's going to keep you. He's going to heal your body. He's going to protect your mind. He's going to heal your spirit. Is there someone in the house who can shout, amen? I, I had fun doing this earlier. I want to do it again. How many of you have received a notable gift of healing uh, recently, say in the last year or so of your life? Would you stand up all over the house? If you've had the Lord heal you, you have a testimony of healing. All right, stay standing. How many of you need a testimony of healing in your life? Do you need it? Raise your hand all across the house. You need it. I want you to point to one of these people who have the testimony of healing. Will you do it right now? Point to them. And as loud as you can, I want you to say, amen. Let's give God some praise in this house here today. And Abraham amanned the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness because the verb believed can be used correctly from its root, amen. Let me uh, read Deuteronomy chapter number seven, verse number nine. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Now, uh, that's on our screens. Look at this. Which one of these words do you think in the Hebrew is from the Hebrew word, amen. You see that? Which one do you think of those words is from uh, the word, amen? Are you ready for this? I'm gonna tell you. Uh, It is on the second line that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God. In the Hebrew, you would read it like this, the amen God. What do you have believers doing? They're amening God. And what do you have God doing? He's the amen God. There is a unity between heaven and earth where heaven, motivated by God's divine love, looks toward earth and says, I want the best for those people. I want victory for those people. I want to keep them. I want to see them grow. I want to see them prosper. I don't want them under the hand of affliction. I amen them. And down here on earth, we lift our hearts heavenward and we lift our hands. And just as God is the amen God to us, our spirit is the amen to God. Stay with me. Stay with me. Finally, Isaiah 53, verse number one. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Which one of these words do you think is amen? Well, it's right there on the very top. Who hath amened our report? Oh, man, that's just so fun. Who ha- I've come to tell you God's good. Is there anyone who can amen my report in this house? I've come to tell you God will keep you if you want to be kept. Is there someone who would amen my report? I'm here to tell you God knows what's best for you. Do I have someone to amen my report in this house? 
Heaven's heart is open to earth. There is a ladder between heaven and earth. We were always created for divine intimacy. You were formed to be a worshiper. God loves you so much that he organized this whole thing around your heart. The stars in the heaven, the galaxies in the night sky, all the wonders of glory, time, and physics. It's all God organizing everything around you. And heaven looks at you and says, amen. How can we have this spiritual intimacy and we look heavenward and we say, amen. And heaven says, amen. You know what we're saying? I love you. And he's saying, I love you. And I'm saying, I'm incomplete without you. And he's saying, I'm incomplete without you. And I'm saying, life is better in your presence. And he says, I want to walk with you and talk with you. Is there anybody hungry for God here today? I want to lift my heart heavenward and say, amen. Praise God. Praise God. So let me, let me get real here for a moment. There's a lot of pain in life. And that pain is in many ways linked to your uh, experience of no. Um, there's so much in our life that is a great big royal no. <laughs> uh, no. Um, are, are you enough? No. Are you smart enough? No. Are you pretty enough? No. Do you have enough money? I should have heard no from everybody except Pastor Don. Everyone else, I should have heard no. <laughs> Pastor Don, he has no reason to complain, though. The rest of you should have said no. You said no, too? I need an amen for me, brother, not a no. <laughs> I want you to see something here. So much of our life is a no. You know, no little boy sits on his mom's lap or his dad's knee and says, when I grow up, I want to have a drinking problem. No little girl runs up to her dad or her mom and says, when I grow up, I hope my life is so jacked up that everything I touch seems to just melt in my fingers. Nobody says that. No child I feel the Holy Ghost right now no child grows up with this sense of no they all grow up with this wonder children become adults uh, second chance at happiness <laughs> Um, you know, one of the great things about children is they make you see, they make you rediscover wonder. And um, as adults, we get so jaded. We can have a 17 peacocks walk in front of us and we're like, oh man, the zoo costs so much money. <laughs> jaded. You've lost your sense of wonder. I know some people like that. You can bring up any subject and they will tell you quickly how they don't care about it at all. I have no desire to see that. Never going to go there. I'm done with all that. I had that happen to me one time and finally I just couldn't take it anymore and I told them, you know, I hope I never lose my capacity for wonder. They looked at me like I was picking a fight because I kind of was. <laughs> um, children help us rediscover wonder because children don't immediately have this sense of you're not enough. They have this sense of who knows what could be. The world is filled with wonder. Who knows what could be. The world is filled with glory. A caterpillar. Daddy. There's a ladybug in my room. I'm mad at the exterminators. Really? A ladybug. But 
something happens to most of us. Life crushes us into the boxes it has provided for us to live in. Life crushes us into these boxes. And the box you are crushed in oftentimes is only partially controlled by you. You can't take no responsibility, but it's unfair and unreasonable to take all the responsibility. Because all of you grew up in a context. Uh, You may have been damaged before you even knew what damage was. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, You may have been broken before you knew what it was to be whole and broken. It took you years to figure out how you had been broken. And then after that, you had to figure out how to talk about it. (laughs) You know, because after all, things have consequences. You know what I mean? It'd be great if we could pretend like they didn't, but that's not how the world works. And so life comes along and it looks at us and here's our little available spot. And the life comes along, it puts us in there and you don't fit. But life's not content to have you stick out of your box. And so life gets various forms of hammers. And uh, some of it is our own error. Some of it is uh, legal systems. Some of it is our own own mistakes. Some of it is toxic friends and uh, some of it is broken family and life crushes us and hammers us and breaks us until we fit in the box. And you know what? You will. The system will fit you in the box even if you're in a handful of pieces when you get in that box. And you experience so much of your life as a royal no. <laughs> will, I, will, will I be safe? No. Will I be whole? No. Will I ever not wake up at night afraid? No. We live in this realm of the no. So with that reality in place, with a confession that because of negative life experiences, because of error and sin, because of bad mistakes, bondages of flesh, mind, and spirit, uh, we have learned to live a life of coping with no. But I want to give you a different image of your spiritual potential. Because although life has taught you how to suffer along with a great big no. It's as though God leans over the balcony of heaven and says to you, yes. Things can get better. I'm I'm done musicians, you can come. God leans over the balcony of heaven and says, you can be whole. God says you can be healed. God says to you, yes. Now I want to read you the passage that I love so much. Uh, This is 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 19. Reading first from the King James, and then we'll read it uh, from slightly different translations. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and uh, Silvanius or or, or Silas and uh, Timotheus or Timothy, uh, was not yea and nay... But in him was yea, for all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. Watch this. I'm going to read the same thing in the TEV version. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was preached among you by Silas, Timothy, and myself, is not one who is yes and no. On the contrary, he is God's yes. So let me make something very clear right now. On one hand, we can receive God's promise. We can simply receive it. Okay, I accept the Bible says that. I accept that that's the word of God. I accept that that's the law of God. And you will have done the right thing, but there won't be much joy in your life. I want this amen in your life to be more than so be it. I want amen to be uh, let me be a part of the party. You're saying God is great. Let me say God is great with you. You're saying God is a healer. Let me join the testimony of God's healing. Every Sunday, hear me today, every Sunday we come to church with our collections of no's. We come to church with our collections of uh, 
uh, trouble, our collections of disappointment, our collections of we didn't have enough, we weren't enough, we're never going to be whole, it's never going to be right, we're never going to be okay, and we come into the house of God, and some preacher, some song leader, some singer, uh, some musician, uh, we try to put this truth back out to you. God is going to change your circumstances. God is going to heal you. God is going to keep you. God's going to protect you. But if you just receive it like, okay, now let's go eat, you will always be stuck in the duty of accepting word, not in the place of praising God for who he is, what he has done, and what he will, will, will do. And you were designed not to be a slave or a servant. You were designed to be a son or a daughter. You were designed to join in the celebration of what God could do. I want you, in spite of what you're going through, in spite of what you're facing, I want you to stand in the house of God and I want you to say, I receive your word and I say to heaven, yes! You say you will heal me. I say yes. You say you will keep me. I say yes. You say you will protect me. I say yes. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Heaven says to earth, amen. Not everybody hears it. Not everybody believes it. Not everybody receives it. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would, what, hear my voice, and what do you need to do? Open unto me. Heaven says to earth, yes, but not everybody hears it. We're so busy fighting with one another, we don't hear the invitation of God in our life. We're so busy, irritated one with the other, we don't hear the promise of God in our life. We're so busy worrying about the things of this life the limitations of this world, we don't hear the voice of God whispering to us, yes, yes, standing at the door and knocking. But some people hear heaven whisper, yes, and they stop what they're doing. They stop all the junk in their life and they go open the door to the Lord and they say, if you will, I will. And God says, I will. <laughs> you know why the church needs to say amen in our spirit? Because we can just come and go through a ritual. We can miss heaven's yes in our life. And we can see God as, you know, maybe, sometimes, yes, no. Can't really trust him can't really rely on them. Sometimes it works out, sometimes not. Or you can say, that's not the kind of God I serve. Even when I don't understand, he's still in control. Even when I can't explain it, he's still on the throne. He's not the God of sometimes. He's the God of all the time. He's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. He's always on time, never late, and shows up when I need him. And so the church says amen in response to God. Yes. The church, yes. I wonder if there's somebody here because of circumstances you're facing in your life you'd like right now to lift your hands heavenward and say to God, yes. Yes, Lord. The devil tells me I'm not going to make it, but I hear you say yes. And so I look heavenward and I say yes. My fears tell me I'm always going to be sick, but I've decided not to believe my fears because I heard you say that you would heal me. And I look heavenward and I say yes. I've been worried about friends and loved ones who are far from you. 
I wonder if you can save them. I wonder if you can reach them. Faith whispers yes. And I look heavenward and I say back to the heavens, uh, yes. And so this gives you a different idea of what scripture's like from faith to faith, from glory to glory. It goes like this. God says, yes. And the church says, yes. And God says, yes. And the church says, yes. I'm gonna open this front up right now. I'd like to invite all of you to step out of the chair you're in. Let's come gather around this front. I want you to bring your needs with you. I, want to bring, I want you to bring your fears with you. I want you to lift your hands in this house. And I want you to let this song be a testimony of spiritual omission that we are saying amen back to God. He is faithful. He is the amen God. He is the faithful Lord. He is the amen Lord. Say it with us. Let the church say amen. I want to say this to you as lead pastor here at First Church. We want your life to flourish spiritually in every level of your life. We don't want you just to have victory in one area. We want you to have victory in every area of your life. We want to see you prosper as believers, yes. We want to see you prosper in career and business and employment, yes. We want to see you prosper in your finances. Somebody say yes. I want to see your children blessed. Somebody say yes. Let the church say amen. And so I hold all the promises of God in my hands and I say in response to the promises of God in your life I say so be the promises of God in your life I say so be healing in your life so be renewal in your life let God's name arise in your heart those of you who fight crippling battles with depression I speak the refreshing of the Holy Ghost to you today I speak it to you. I just want you to say, yes, Lord. I receive it in my life here today. Those of you with chronic sickness, I want you to know, do you know who your healer is? Do you know who your healer is? Heaven is saying yes to your needs. Let the church say amen. We're gonna linger. Our worship team's gonna lead us. If you need prayer, I'll be here. I'll be moving through. God bless you all. We love you. Uh, have a great week in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.